Gets it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman. Blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, hello everybody and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you here today. We have got a lot to discuss as today is, you know, another day passing without a resolution in the Ilya Sorokin situation. Looks like we are much closer to our decision on hub cities. We will also be discussing our Islanders birthday of the day And a little bit later on in the show, I'll be joined by Ted Starkey of Newsday to talk a little bit about the Islanders, their future, and the upcoming playoff series against the Florida Panthers. It'll be a two-part interview, first half today, second half on tomorrow's podcast. And don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, something that's on your mind, feel free to send us an email and we'll be happy to discuss your topic or question of choice. The email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and we'll let you know when a new episode drops. Or you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and happenings around the New York Islanders. All right, so July 1st is here. Traditionally in the National Hockey League, this is free agent day, and a a lot of Islander fans on Twitter yesterday really talking about how disappointed they tend to be during July 1st. Uh, Look, two years ago yesterday, that was when John Tavares announced he was signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs, leaving the New York Islanders. And I'll say this, two years after that happened, a lot of Islander fans still feel betrayed by the actions of John Tavares. I think now it is just beginning to get to the point where some Islander fans, yeah, they're still not happy about it. They're still disappointed. They're still hurt. But the wound is starting to not be quite as fresh as it was two years ago. And I I think the greatest thing that would smooth that over and sort of heal that wound would be an Islanders long playoff run, and better still, an Islanders playoff series victory over John Tavares and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, look, we're a long ways away from that happening right now, but look, we're in stage two, the voluntary workout stage, stage three set to begin in about a week and a half, and then hopefully by the end of this month, the NHL will be able to get the Stanley Cup play-in round underway, and talking about that play-in round, by the way, 
while it is still not yet official, it is looking like the only thing standing in the way of Toronto and Edmonton being the two hub cities is the official vote by the National Hockey League Players Association, but that is what is on the table, and and quite honestly, you know, Vegas was supposed to be one of the hub cities, but because of the way the coronavirus is spreading so badly throughout the United States right now, the National Hockey League's best hope of actually holding the playoffs on time or even at all rest right now in Canada. So under those circumstances, you're looking at Toronto being the hub for the Western Conference and Edmonton being the hub for the Eastern Conference. Not sure where they would play the Stanley Cup final just yet, but right now the Islanders, if this plan is officially approved, would be heading out to Edmonton to face the Florida Panthers in that play-in round. And it's interesting because, you know, no matter what, these playoffs are going to be very different. And Islander fans understand, especially those who have uh, been around the team and followed the team for a long time, the atmosphere at a playoff game, especially a game at the Coliseum, when the building is shaking almost literally and the fans are so vocal and into it and excited and the noise level is so high, that ratchets up the intensity of a playoff game. And right now, whether they play in Vegas or Toronto or Edmonton, or in Timbuktu, for that matter. It is going to be a very different atmosphere come playoff time. And not having fans in the stands, whether they're a home game or a road game, is really going to be a very different experience for these players and for fans as well. Uh, I, I cannot imagine the you know the watching a game on television with no fans it won't feel the same now whether the NHL will over the television broadcast pipe in crowd noise or not that is something that has not been finalized not been discussed but look home ice advantage will still exist because of the final line change that is still something that the coaches can take advantage of throughout any playoff series, but the disadvantage of being on the road because of travel, because of not being in your own bed, so to speak, because of the atmosphere in the building, that's going to be gone this year when the playoffs get underway. And the line change is really going to be the only major advantage that the home team is going to have in the playoffs this year when they hopefully get underway. It's nice to even say this, later this month. So, you know, it's been three and a half months since hockey suspended its season, and now we're less than a month away from the start of this extended playoff round if the league can safely pull off 
getting things started again safely. And if you want to keep your car or truck running safely, head over to rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everyone and does not require membership or login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique, it's remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Get everything you need in a few clicks, and it's delivered directly to your door, which is a big help during this difficult time. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com One other thing that is being leaked out right now as being a real possibility as the NHL and the Players Association negotiate the new CBA. It looks like NHL players will be heading back to the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. Uh, That, to me, is very good news. The NHL did not take part in the 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea, and it really did make a difference as far as the kind of hockey we were seeing. Hockey had a much lower profile at the Olympics, and even if it means suspending the season for a couple of weeks or eliminating the All-Star game or changing things around, condensing the schedule a little bit, the NHL has to understand that it is an investment to try to get hockey a bigger amount of attention worldwide in the United States and elsewhere because having the best players in the world, you know, 85% of whom are already in the National Hockey League, be a part of the world stage at the Winter Olympics is a great way to expose the game of hockey to new fans. Everybody knows, first of all, how important the 1980 Miracle on Ice was for the National Hockey League and the growth of hockey in the United States. It took maybe 10 years until that was fully felt when the kids who were 7 or 8 years old in 1980 and started to sign up for peewee hockey, eventually became big enough to go to college and then join the NHL. But, you know, big moments in the Olympics, like the USA versus Canada game in Vancouver, and a lot of the other uh, magical moments that we've seen in the Olympics over the years, really just an opportunity for the NHL to grow the game. So, Fingers crossed, as far as I'm concerned, that the NHL will be heading back to the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. That 
is what we really, really do want to see once uh, this CBA is going to be implemented. All right, time for our Islanders birthday of the day. And yes, we're going to cheat a little bit. Uh, No Islanders born today, July 2nd. We went through all of the players who ever played a game for the New York Islanders, but there's a few who were born July 3rd, and we're going to go with one of them, and that's a member of the current team, Anders Lee. Lee selected in the sixth round by the Islanders in 2009, a native of uh, Minnesota, went to Notre Dame to play his college hockey, and then joined the Islanders for the first time for the final two games of the 2012-2013 season, became a full-time Islander in 2014-2015, and since then has become one of the team's better goal scorers. His career high, the 40-goal season in 2017-2018, he had 34 goals the year before that, 28 goals last year, this year 20 goals in 68 games, which probably put him on pace for about 23, maybe 24 goals this year. So a little bit off of last year's pace. And I think that Anders Lee needs to be one of those players who picks up his offensive game in the playoffs if the Islanders are going to make a long run. We're going to take a look back at one of Anders Lee's best NHL moments, and that is going to be his very first NHL goal, April 2nd, 2013, Lee playing in his uh, first NHL game at the Nassau Coliseum against the Winnipeg Jets, 11,819 fans on hand, Andre Pavlich is the goalie for Winnipeg, Kevin Poulin is the netminder for the Islanders, and it was the Islanders striking first, Late in the first period, Anders Lee, his first career goal, Matt Martin and Casey Zizekas with the assists at 16-13, Islanders led 1-0. Paul Potsma evened it up at 18-06 for the Jets, his second from Eric Tangrady and Kyle Wellwood after one period, we were even at one apiece. Potsma struck again for the Jets in the second period at 6.02. Chris Thorburn and Eric Tangrady with the assist, 2-1 Jets, but the Islanders answered back. Halfway through the hockey game, it was Colin McDonald tying things up. His seventh from Grabner, Michael Grabner and Mark Streit at 9.56. And then, with Evander Kane in the box for hooking, Franz Nielsen comes through on the power play. His fourth from Josh Bailey and Mark Streit at 19.32. And the Islanders had a 3-2 lead after two periods. In the third, the Islanders pulling away late. Matt Molson, his 12th from John Tavares and Brad Boys. So the Islanders' top line scoring at 18 minutes to give the Islanders a two-goal edge, 4-2. And then Tavares with an empty netter, his 23rd, from Boys and Molson at 19:24, Islanders winning this hockey game by a score of 5 to 2, but in this game, most notably, the first NHL goal for Anders Lee 
in his first NHL game. He scored on the only shot on goal he had. Multiple point games, John Tavares and Matt Molson each with a goal and an assist. Brad Boys with a couple of helpers. As for the plus-minus, Andrew McDonald, a plus-three to lead the way for the Islanders. Shots on goal, eight shots on goal for Matt Molson in this game. Six for Kyle Oposo as the Islanders end up with a 5-2 to two win. Happy birthday to Anders Lee. Uh, believe it or not, on July 3rd, Anders Lee turns 30 years old. So, happy birthday a, a day early, Anders Lee, our Islanders' birthday of the day. All right, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast from Newsday and also the author of two great hockey books, Red Rising and Chasing the Dream, Ted Starkey. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Anytime. Glad to be here. Well, our theme this week is back to the future, and the Islanders certainly in the middle of it all. Let's let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the way the draft lottery fell out. The Islanders are still in the running for that first overall pick in this year's draft if they lose in the play-in round to the Florida Panthers. Your thoughts about which would be a better outcome for the Islanders in the long run getting that first overall pick or going on a longer playoff run? Well, obviously, I think that uh, unless you win the Stanley Cup, the first-round pick is probably a better outcome, although you'll never hear the players or the management say, because obviously their goal is to win the Stanley Cup and go as deep as possible. But that said, uh, Alex Lafreniere is a really fine player and certainly would help any franchise, particularly one like the Islanders with a need for offense. Um, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of like I think if management, if they end up losing to Florida, then you kind of say, well, we have a 12.5% chance of getting the top overall pick. But obviously with, you know, and I'm hoping to beat Florida and move on to the regular Stanley Cup playoffs, I think uh, you won't hear them, any of them admitting it at this point. No question about that. And, you know, one issue that has come up because of the pandemic, where will the Islanders play next season if indeed you know they have games in front of fans nassau coliseum now shut down your take on the islanders hopefully last season coming up of nomadic existence it's going to be interesting because i think you know there's a couple questions at play you know obviously the current nassau management sounds like they want to get out of the hundred million dollars left over from the construction of the uh, renovation of the arena uh, the first question is obviously is when is next season going to start? Uh, because I think, you know, obviously they're already saying the season may not start till December. And, uh, you know, until I would think the National Hockey League is the way the financial setup of the league is, they really cannot make much money uh, paying the players and not getting any revenue. So I think the league is going to wait until at least some of the cities are allowing ticket sales. And, you know, that could be well in the 2021. And when you get to the point of, will someone by that point bail out Nassau Coliseum management uh, and pay the $100 million, or will they just play at Barclays? I mean, I, I think unless the majority of the league is allowed to play with fans, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to start any type of game in front of empty crowds, just because it's a whole lot different to play the playoffs with no fans 
when the players are getting paid by the league in stipends and the owner's actually paying out player salaries and getting no revenue, which is obviously with some teams near the cap, you're already $80 million in the hole uh, without any revenue other than TV money, which pales in comparison to the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. So I think, you know, once they figure out when they're actually going to start playing the 2020-2021 season, uh, then they might say try to more urgently figure out where they're going to play. I mean, I think the odds are, you know, they'll probably will end up at Barclays unless someone's willing to bail out the Coliseum, which, you know, that's a lot of money for a building that's obviously going to be obsolete come next fall. Um, my guess would be Barclays, but, you know, there's still a possibility someone could bail out the arena. And, and you know, the, the feeling that I get is Barclays may not be thrilled with that idea. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think this is obviously something that, you know, I think they were more concerned with the Islanders taking up arena dates uh, than actually welcoming, you know, more chances to sell tickets and merchandise. But it's just, you know, obviously in retrospect, the Coliseum was so poorly handled over the whole life of it. You know, the renovation was kind of a uh, not a complete renovation and not one that really made it NHL friendly. Uh, the building really didn't seem to know if it wanted to become a bigger arena or a smaller arena. They kind of made it a size that's not really conducive to either. And, you know, obviously now with Belmont opening up, you know, you have a arena 10 miles away from a, at a, at a venue that's obviously the Islanders are going to try very hard to fill dates. So they'll be competing against the Coliseum for other events, you know, uh, other sports, other concerts, etc. And, you know, it's it just, it'll be interesting to see if anyone manages to bail them out. Maybe I could see someone bailing them out if they get the right to develop the property the way they want, which probably wouldn't involve an arena down the road. But, you know, that's obviously a hundred million dollar question. No question about that. As far as the uh, Islanders are concerned, you look ahead to the 2020, 2021 season when it does hopefully finally get underway they're going to have some cap issues and it looks like there will not be a compliance buyout as part of the negotiations presently going on between the players association and the league. They need to re-sign a number of restricted free agents. The biggest being Matthew Barzal. How are they going to get under the cap? Who are some of the players they may have to trade in order to free up some cap space? And, and some of those guys that, that I'm thinking of, have no movement clauses. Right. I mean, you're, they're going to have to get creative with it because obviously, you know, a lot of teams, the one advantage is that they're going to have a lot of teams are going to be in the same boat. The problem is, you know, they had, they probably will have to find a trade partner to take some bad contracts and sweeten the pot with some draft picks to take them off their hands. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, and this, again, this might be something where, Teams wait to the last minute to see what other teams do, um, see where they can kind of move players. Or, you know, there'll still be some teams who will need to get above the cap floor. And I'm sure a lot of teams are going to get spooked by the current financial situation, and they may not want to spend actual money on players. Uh, you know, they may end up saying, well, if you take this X amount of dollars on the contract, we'll take this off your hands. But it's kind of an a, a, uncharted waters here because I said there definitely will be a lot of movement around the league 
and teams looking to dump contracts because obviously a couple of months ago it looked like there would be a couple of uh, couple of million dollar bump that you know you'd be able to afford some of the players you wanted to keep and you know a lot of teams would be facing this question and then as I said they the other end is you know some teams are probably be very worried about their finances down the road and not willing to take actual dollars but if the Islanders say we'll pay for part of the salary you know we'll give you a couple picks you know, will you take this contract? They might be able to pull some off. We'll see. The, the Part of the problem is the Islanders have traded away already most of their high-round draft picks in the Pajot deal and, and you know, for Andy Green. They don't have a lot of high picks to, to deal right now. Right, right. I mean, again, they'll have to get creative, you know, they'll have to do some later-round picks, maybe, you know, toss in a couple prospects if you need to. But as I said, it's one of those things that, it's actually going to be the price of getting rid of players is going to be a lot more than acquiring players. I think this uh, off season. No doubt about that. And, and certainly the coronavirus complicates things. All right. That is part one of our interview with Newsday's Ted Starkey. He is also the author of two great hockey books, Red Rising and Chasing the Dream. You can check those out on Amazon. We'll have part two with Ted tomorrow. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the game of hockey. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. We are one day closer to the resumption of hockey. And, of course, let's go Islanders.